This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03, Friday afternoon, August 20th, 2021. Congratulations, you made it to the end of another week. Uh, Thanks for joining us today on the WBBM Noon Business Hour, presented by the Village of Bedford Park. I'm Rob Hart. As more employers bring people back into the office, the need for child daycare is rising. We'll cover that in our next segment. Right now, some companies are delaying the return to office by employees as a new wave of COVID cases hits much of the country. We're joined now by Michelle Reisdorf, Chicago jobs expert at Robert Half, based in Chicago. Michelle, thanks for joining us today. A number of companies had started setting their uh, return to office policies uh, earlier in the summer or late spring as uh, cases fell precipitously, and it was believed that uh, everybody would be returning to their cubicle uh, sometime in late August, September, October. But now uh, some of these big tech companies are delaying that move. As Apple goes and as Facebook goes, how much of corporate America follows? Well, we've actually had several of our um, small, medium, and large-sized clients uh, make the decision to delay, obviously, with a lot of talk in the news with the Delta variant and, um, you know, numbers spiking again. Employers are very, very concerned about making, you know, health and safety of their employees, you know, top the top thing that they're concerned about. Now, is this a situation where uh, they're going to delay a return to office indefinitely and sometime between now and the end of the year uh, decide that, uh, hey, remote working is is working for us? Or are they going to stick with the uh, rhetoric that's been coming out of the corner office that, yes, it is beneficial to have everybody working together in an office again? Yeah, no, what we've heard from most of our clients is that they are just pushing to January 1 instead. So, We've not really heard any um, clients or companies, even our own company made that same decision. Uh, we've not heard any that are saying, you know what, maybe we, we should reconsider fully remote. Most are just saying, let's slow down a little bit. Let's reconsider. Let's see what the CDC is saying. And let's shoot for a January 1 target instead. Well, we talked about uh, some of the smaller offices also following the lead of uh, the biggies in terms of delaying their return to office. Is this strictly a sector-by-sector decision, Uh, smaller tech companies taking, you know, following Google and Facebook and Apple, or is this broad-based across a number of industries? It's definitely broad-based across a number of industries. I think we've seen the larger corporations take a quicker stance of, you know, getting back into the office. But, you know, they are the ones that are absolutely reconsidering right now and, um, you know, rethinking, you know, what does it look like? Really, a lot of our clients are still kind of in that hybrid, um, maybe, you know, a day or two in the office right now and then still and or still fully remote. 
After close to two years of remote working, by the time uh, some of these return to office plans are finally implemented, uh, on your end, what kind of challenges uh, do you see in terms of uh, companies used to actually hosting people together in the same space again? Yeah, it's been a little complicated. You know, even we made the decision uh, that employees could work back in the office. And I know for myself as a manager, I've had to go from having a fully remote team to a hybrid team so that, you know, even as we're hosting meetings, I've got, you know, half the team in the office with me, half the team virtually, you know, on a TV. So we've had to change up kind of our meeting style and what we're doing, um, you know, and just keeping everybody in contact with each other as different projects arise or whatnot. So it's, it's a lot for leaders from a communication standpoint of how, how to keep your teams connected. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Michelle Reisdorf, Chicago jobs expert, Robert Half Company in Chicago. Coming up, a shortage of nannies and babysitters beginning to emerge as uh, some offices uh, call their workers back. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Daycare can be a major issue for workers who are being called back into the office. Let's learn more about the current level of supply and demand from Laura Horowitz, who is a franchisee with Chicago College Nannies and Sitters. The website, College Nanny and sitters.com. Laura, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Uh, Some of these offices delaying their uh, return to work plans because of the Delta variant. And when it comes to uh, uh, parents scrambling to try to find a sitter, could that be beneficial in some ways in giving them more time? It definitely could. Um, There is a shortage of childcare workers as the pandemic hit. Parents pulled their kids out of daycare. Um, and now they're going back to the office. And so they do need to get that care, and daycares are seeing the struggle to to hire caregivers. Um, so a nanny or sitter could be a definite either long-term or short-term uh, solution for them. The nannies and babysitters, what was the uh, state of uh, that particular field before COVID, and how did the pandemic uh, change uh, that equation? You know, nannies and sitters are always in demand, to be honest. Um, we were a strong <laughs> a strong industry before then, and we continued to be so as daycares were closed. As I mentioned, nannies and sitters were welcomed into some homes. Um, so we have seen the demand actually skyrocket recently um, for both our short-term and long-term caregivers. Now, as uh, one of the things we have heard an awful lot about uh, now that the economy is starting to reopen is that uh, some people took the time off who might have been uh, furloughed from a forward-facing customer service job. They took the time off to think about uh, their prospects and where they were going and what they were doing. Um, Is child care a growth industry for somebody who may be uh, contemplating a career change after a year and a half off? Very good question, and the answer is definitely. Um, the need is greater than ever, as I stated before, and we are hiring uh, nannies for long-term, full-time, and part-time jobs, as well as short-term. Um, if someone needs some time to think about things before they go back to some other type of job, you know, we have the great kind of interim um, flex jobs available. Now, with nannies, uh, were they still was there still a, a, a brisk demand for nannies and babysitters uh, even during the uh, the bulk of the stay at home orders during the pandemic where everybody was at home and everybody was either uh, working or learning on Zoom uh, just to give uh, the parent or parents who were working remotely some uh, time to actually do some work? Yes, the, some families did not want someone to come into their home because of concerns. But other families needed that care. Their child could not go to daycare or school, and they were home, either working from home or they were a first responder and an essential worker and had to go out and work. And so we were there to fit the bill and and find nannies for those families. 
Laura Horowitz, franchisees, Chicago uh, College Nannies and Sitters, thank you for joining us this afternoon. The website is collegenannysandsitters.com. Coming up next, replacing an iconic TV host is proving to be a tough task. We'll talk about the uh, flare-up at Jeopardy coming up next. Money Talks, as the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Jeopardy! executive producer Mike Richards won't become the next host of the popular game show after controversial past comments surfaced earlier this week. It illustrates how difficult it can be to replace a legend in a socially uh, social media-driven environment. Joining us now on the McGrath-Lexus business line is Tom Lason, media analyst uh, based in Seattle. Tom, thank you for joining us this afternoon. I'm going to start with an apocryphal story. May be true, may not be true, but the setting was a Hollywood party in in 1983 or 84, and somebody had mentioned that Merv Griffin was going to uh, reboot Jeopardy and uh, put Alex Trebek in as the host, and the other person said, you can't do that. Nobody would accept Jeopardy without Art Fleming as the host of the show. Uh, That just goes to show that uh, anyone can be replaced, but Alex Trebek may turn out to be irreplaceable as the host of this show. Yeah, you bring up such a good point. And you know something? Management would like everybody in the media to believe that everybody can re- be replaced. But it's more difficult for that, uh, you know, on that term. And Alex Trebek may be one of the few success stories that you point out there about replacing a legendary host. In- inevitably, the brand and the show and the host are tied together. People watch television, listen to the radio, watch game shows because they want to connect with the people. So while that's bad news for management, it is great news for these people who become stars, and then replacing them is just a nightmare. And what typically happens if you're managing a career in the media, which is so difficult these days, you don't want to step in and try to follow a legend. There typically has to be somebody who's sort of sacrificed so people can get all their angst and anger about about how this guy is nothing like the last guy. And then the next guy can step in and possibly build an audience and have some success. So I'm hoping maybe this will uh, preempt that. Mike Richards is gone. And maybe here comes LeVar Burton. And and also on top of that, anybody who is going into a high profile job these days in sports or media or game shows or anywhere, uh, now you have a digital footprint. Now you have uh, social media posts. Now you have blog posts. Now you have a podcast you might have appeared on long ago uh, that is very easy to access and uh, criticize, especially if uh, you take it out of the context of its times. That's not to say that what Mike Richards said on that podcast many years ago was acceptable. It is not, but it also goes to show you that uh, your past may be lurking behind you, and you may not know it's there. Yeah, this was a podcast called The Ram Dumb Show. What could possibly go wrong? (laughs) It lived up to its its name. Yeah. Yeah, let me pull the curtain back for you and talk about the dilemma that you're speaking to. I'm going to give you a radio show. I want you to be edgy. I want you to move the needle. I want you to gather an audience. I want you to be interesting and provocative. Oh, and by the way, we do appeal to a mass audience, so please don't be in any way controversial or say anything that's edgy. So this is the terrible dilemma that people in the media have these days, especially in a general audience. We want your name to appear in mall intercepts and on the Q research, but don't ruffle any feathers. You tell me how that's possible. I think it's incredibly difficult. So what you end up with is finding a lot of these media personalities building themselves a national name, trying to be as generic as possible, but then putting themselves in their own, on their own golf course and in their own playpen to do their own thing. But once you do that and you try to be the next Howard Stern to do something controversial or edgy, 
that sticks with you. You can't come back out of your playpen. So it's very difficult. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Tom Lason, media analyst based in Seattle, still ahead in Entrepreneur Friday. Details of an event designed to help the next generation of innovators. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast the wbbm noon business hour continues good afternoon i'm rob hart these are the top stories on news radio wbbm president biden is set to update the situation at the airport in kabul during an address this hour this is bernie tafoya If you're in the city of Chicago, it's time to mask up once more in indoor public spaces. In Entrepreneur Friday, the latest edition of the Chicago Student Invention Convention is coming up. We'll get details of the outreach to the next generation of entrepreneurs. And in what appears to be an ironic twist, Amazon is looking to move back into brick-and-mortar retail. WBBM Business, the Dow is up 238 points. The NASDAQ is up 155. The S&P 500 is up 34. AccuWeather says sunshine mixing with clouds. Clouds very warm and humid today, a high of 89, low 80s along the lakefront. It's 1231. Topping our news at the half hour, President Biden will speak this afternoon about the much-criticized evacuations from the airport in Kabul, Afghanistan. Correspondent Rita
Rita Foley has the latest on the unsettled and dangerous situation. President Biden's facing a firestorm of criticism about the chaotic evacuation of Americans and allies from Afghanistan. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan said U.S. citizens are able to reach the airport but face an obstacle in the large crowds at the airport gates. The Taliban's been firing into the air to try to control the crowds. U.S. Navy fighter jets have been flying over the airport, a standard military practice, but also a reminder to the Taliban that the U.S. has firepower to respond to a combat crisis. I'm Rita Foley. Chicago's mask mandate for indoor public spaces is back in effect. The city is seeing a rise in COVID cases, specifically the highly contagious Delta variant. The city's public health commissioner, Dr. Allison Arwady, says Chicago is averaging more than 400 new cases of COVID a day, and that once the numbers drop significantly below that, the mask mandate will be dropped again. For now, everyone over the age of two is required to wear masks in indoor public places, from grocery stores to fitness centers. That includes vaccinated people. No masks are required outdoors. Bernie Tafoya, News Radio, 105.9 FM. It's 12:32. The noon business hour continues, presented by the Village of Bedford Park. Stocks are gaining ground. We're joined by Jim Welsh, macro strategist and portfolio partner at Smart Portfolios, based in San Diego. The website macrotides.com. Even though the uh, markets are rocket and rolling today, Jim, it's not going to be enough to uh, rescue a losing week on Wall Street. No, it's not. And I think, uh, Rob, what is kind of being missed or overlooked is even as the S&P is less than 1% from an all-time high, the Russell 2000 is 8% below its peak back in uh, February. So we've got this dichotomy where some of the major big cap stocks are pulling the market up. And some of that is related to call option activity. Um, and, you know, that's kind of getting wonky, if you will. But that is having a role, and we're, this today is a option expiration day. So next week should be pretty interesting as some of that activity rolls off. But the key point here in my mind is that the underlying technical uh, underpinnings of the market have been weakening, and normally that is a presage to a pullback. And, and is it because of uh, uncertainty over future monetary, uh, monetary policy, uh, some comments made by uh, uh, the Fed governors about the uh, bond buying program and also just the uncertainty over the Delta variant? I think it's both those things, Rob, uh, for obvious reason regarding Delta. We're seeing people changing their habits uh, in, the, in the sense that fewer people are going to restaurants, uh, uh, airline traffic is down, hotel reservations are down. So people are responding uh, to that. So it's all those things. And I think the key thing here coming up for the Federal Reserve is obviously the tapering issue. We've had a number of Fed uh, presidents become pretty vocal about uh, announcing it in September. Uh, but those that have been most vocal are not voting members on the FOMC. Uh, I think the key is going to be where what happens in the next two, three weeks with Delta in the uh, August unemployment uh, report that comes out on September 3rd. Until we see that happen, cases drop, strong jobs report, I think the Fed is going to stand on the sidelines and wait, and I will. there will not be anything coming out of the Jackson Hole meeting uh, in the next couple of weeks. And then on a sector level, I mean, what are some of the sectors that are, uh, that, uh, are doing relatively well right now, and which are uh, kind of areas of concern? Okay, uh, good question. Really what we're seeing uh, a few weeks ago, the cyclical stocks 
really started to mount a decent rally. And that rally, though, over the last week, Rob, has failed. So, again, we're back to the mega cap stocks holding the market up. And my view is that Treasury yields are going to rise over the next three to six months. As yields rise, I think that will pressure the multiples on these mega cap stocks. Um, so right now, I just think being cautious, I would not do any buying here. I think there's a 4 to 7% correction coming over the next handful of weeks, and I would wait for that to unfold. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Jim Welsh, macro strategist and portfolio manager, Smart Portfolios in San Diego, California. The website, macrotides.com. Coming up next in Entrepreneur Friday, helping fuel the next generation of inventors and innovators. It's Information to make cash and save cash. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Hey, it's Entrepreneur Friday, and today we're going to profile a convention that uh, gathers junior entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs of the future in the Chicago Student Invention Convention, a free program for kindergarten through eighth grade students in the area. And joining us now on the McGrath Lexus business line with the details is Luke Tannen, executive director of Chicago Innovation, the website chicagoinnovation.com. Luke, thanks for joining us today. What is the Chicago Student Invention Convention and what does it ask participants to do? Well, thanks for having me on, Rob. So, you know, as the new school year begins, I'm sure teachers and parents alike are all hoping for the best for their students. And I'll say that through the pandemic and for many years before that, the Chicago Student Invention Convention has always been a bright spot for creative-minded students, teachers, and parents. And what it is, and it's run by our organization, Chicago Innovation, um, it is a free invention program for K-8 grade students, as you mentioned, in Chicago region schools, the city, and the suburbs. We've had over 20,000 students participate in the last 10 years. And how it works is that students first start by choosing a problem in their lives that they care about and create an invention to solve that problem. And in doing so, it's fostering creativity, critical thinking, and perseverance in our youngest innovators. And the program for students includes taking part in a 10-week invention curriculum that follows the six steps of the invention process. And that is to first identify a problem, then conduct research, design, build, and test an original prototype, and finally, communicate your findings. And in terms of communicating your findings, it culminates at escalating competitions where students show off their inventions, first at a Chicago-wide competition, then against young inventors from around the country, and finally, which is really exciting, against the top young inventors from around the world. Now, this begins in schools, I would imagine, and uh, are these conventions uh, in-person gatherings, or is it uh, virtual because of the pandemic? Last year virtual, prior in-person. We are ready for both. We know how to do both. Um, and I can tell you that for this coming year right now, uh, you know, if you're listening to this and you're a parent, tell your teacher to sign up for the Chicago Student Invention Convention. Recruitment starts in September. And for all the teachers out there, you can sign up to get involved and run this NGSS aligned curriculum in your classroom. So you could do it during the classroom day. You can take it on as an after-school club. And professional development starts in the fall and students will compete with their prototypes in spring of 2022. So I got to think spring of 2022, we're all back together in person. uh, And that's uh, hopefully how it'll be. And what are some of the more uh, notable or creative inventions that uh, you can remember from over the years and, and, and who were, you know, who was responsible for making them? Yeah. I mean, Rob, there's literally thousands of great stories that have come out of this program. I'll I'll give you a couple. Uh, One is a seventh grade girl who invented the fetch it. So imagine a fishing pole that has a ball attached at the end of a long string, and you can use it to play catch with a dog who isn't always great at returning the ball. And the student invented this for her grandfather, who was in a wheelchair and still wanted to play fetch 
with his dog. It's just amazing levels of empathy that these students showcase when they're, when they're thinking through their inventions. And, and in fact, this invention was so good, she even got a provisional patent from one of our partners. And I'll give you one other example. It was a first grade girl who invented the portable sink. And this student, she was tired of having dirty hands at the beach when she needed to eat lunch. I mean, who wants dirty hands at the beach when it's lunchtime? So she invented an on-the-go small sink that she can carry around, and it recycles water, and it, and it lets her wash her hands wherever you are. And, and we actually got this student um, uh, featured on Good Morning America to pitch her product to. Well, that is a, a certainly a very clever and very practical invention. And I can say this as the father of three little girls uh, who just did two beach vacations. And uh, uh, you want to avoid sandy sandwiches. So uh, so, so, so good for her for inventing uh, the portable sink. Um, and then for, we mentioned this before, but for any uh, teachers who want to incorporate this into their STEM or STEAM programs, uh, where do they go? Yeah, you can just go to chicagoinnovation.com, and we have a page where you can learn more. You can sign up, and we'd love to get you involved. Thank you very much. Luke Tannen, Executive Director, Chicago Innovation, the website chicagoinnovation.com, talking about the Chicago Student Invention Convention. Still to come, Amazon considers opening up its own physical retail stores. A deposit for your future. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Amazon, which has brought on the demise of many retail stores, now wants to open some brick-and-mortar locations. We're joined by Jan Rogers Niffin, CEO, J. Rogers Niffin Worldwide. Wide, based in New York. Jan, thanks for joining us this afternoon. What will these Amazon department stores look like? Will it have the uh, fluorescent lighting and maybe a loop of uh, a Muzak uh, stimulus progression uh, tape uh, as people uh, shop and look at a bunch of different things? I'm going to go with no on that. <laughs> um, my guess is it will look like something different that we haven't seen before. However, if 30,000 square feet, they won't be very big, right? They'll They'll be big for a specialty type store. They'll be small for a department store. Even Kohl's run about 87,000 square feet. And the typical Macy's runs about 160,000 square feet. So that gives you some perspective. It's much like the new Bloomingdale's and the new Macy's locations that, that Macy's is opening that are in that same size range as they try to do the Bloomy store, as you know they're opening, and then the Macy mini store that they're opening as well. So it would it would look like where we're going as far as those kinds of stores. But it would be really interesting to see what they're going to do because, and you know, I've been in every Amazon format, including Whole Foods, of course, and I am not thrilled really with any of them. It's not like I don't think the Amazon Go store does much for me. I don't think that we that the bookstores were dramatic and set me on fire, and I don't think much has happened really with Whole Foods since Amazon took them. There's nothing really there that I see and go, wow, this is the future of retailing. So it'll be interesting now to see if they can do this 30,000 square foot store and be a better brick and mortar retailer than they've been so far. So I'm, I'm watching for that. But I have been saying since 2014, probably to you guys, that they need a thousand stores. And I've always thought they needed a thousand stores because it's just easier to bring that customer in and stay close to them when you have physical locations as well. I was advocating they buy Kohl's, but whatever. <laughs> they just do business with Kohl's at the moment, and they seem to think they need their own 1,000 stores starting at 30,000 square feet. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens, but I think it's going to be a long time before they get there if they're really going to build them one at a time. 
Uh, very quickly, though, uh, to the best of your knowledge, is Amazon, are they going to own the land on which these stores are located, or is it going to be a leasing arrangement? Well, we don't even know if they're going to build these stores yet. They haven't made any announcements or pronouncements on this at all. We're all speculating about what they're really going to do. But you would think that type of store would more likely be a leased location. You know, a lot of the coal stores are leased and all the TJX stores and all the Ross stores and all the Birmingham stores basically are leased. So that's sort of the format you do when you do those kinds of businesses. But, you know, Amazon's got so much money and so much capital, they could do anything they well pleased. However they wanted to do it, if they wanted to own the land, they could. But my guess is these will be leased locations. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Jan Rogers Niffin, CEO of J. Rogers Niffin Worldwide, based in New York. If you missed any part of today's show, you can go to our stream and just skip back to the time you want. There's a pause and rewind function that works both online and with the Odyssey app. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.